Welcome back to Tuesdays with Tim, the podcast that touches on all things related to brain injuries among children and those impacted by my son, Luke. Today's guest is Jonathan Parr, PT here in Austin, Texas. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the invite. I'm glad to be here. In 2019, um, we were in Lubbock and with Luke, and I believe we were coming to do some other therapies, Mm -hmm. and we got connected, you and I, and you had a one-hour session with Luke uh, doing physical therapy and was just so impressed with the things that you did that I hadn't seen prior. And then after that, we had uh, been on Zoom calls and, and given me some, some great tools how to help Luke improve. Um, first, before we get into exactly what Luke did and what you have done with so many of your children, tell us a little about your background. Yeah, so my name is Jonathan Parr. I've been a PT for 14 years now, primarily specializing in complex neurological conditions, whether it's TBI, spinal cord, MS, those kind of things. And uh, how I got into it, I, I tell the story a lot, is um, hits home for me because my sister had a neurological condition when she was 21, saw her rehab process and saw a lot of the do's and don'ts behind therapy and, and also just made me more motivated to actually be the therapist that I needed to be in, for her in case something were to happen again uh, with what she experienced. And so that drove me, I mean, really it's what drives my passion. So I, I graduated from University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston and had really focused my entire career, you know, on complex conditions and TBI being one of them. So um, that's really where I stand with all of it. So, you know, when you talk about complex, mm-hmm. you know, when you think when generally when people think of just a physical therapist, mm-hmm. you know, to to help um, with the limbs, to help to improve mobility. But when you're talking about, like you mentioned, MS, mm-hmm. TBIs, um, how challenging is that for you? Yeah, I I would say that, I mean, neurological conditions as a whole in the the field of physical therapy is probably one of the most complex things that you can do just because it's not your standard orthopedic. It's not just fresh out of surgery. You're just looking at the knee, the hip, shoulder kind of thing. It's you really do have to look at the entire body. And unfortunately, and and it's not to the service of any of the schoolings, like you're not going to get that training until you get years of experience and seeing different complex conditions and they're going to present differently and nothing is textbook. That's the hardest thing is not, nothing is textbook. So you really have to understand the body well. You have to have a lot of repetitions of of going through different types of patients with different conditions and then applying those conditions together to see what's actually working for the brain. And so um, with neuro, there's that mind to body connection and then there's other internal systems that really is not being considered uh as from a physical therapist standpoint you know medical they all have their different disciplines and so i learned that with a lot of really smart people that taught me a lot of stuff when i was um going through my field and i was able to really take what they taught me and then research and apply it myself in in the way that i saw um that it was needed and ultimately got to the point now that I have a much better understanding now of like what's really needed for those with complex conditions specific to TBIs. And there's just so much because it's, it's actually bigger than us as PTs. It goes into caregivers and parents and families and, and other disciplines that you coordinate with OTs and speech. It really is a group effort. And that's the biggest thing that I learned with that. Luke was nine when he had his accident. And I guess it was about six months later, we, mm. we began doing PT. Um, I assume that it doesn't matter the age. When a child, whether the child is one, um, 
I assume that's correct. 100%. Um, I've worked with people 20 years post-brain injury and still have seen great results from it. And I think the idea is that um, in the past, they used to think, okay, well, what's happened to the brain is done. And we, now a lot of research showing that, you know, the brain is plastic. There's a lot of changes in the brain that can make up for areas that were damaged. And, and that's the cool thing about the brain. It's so complex that it's able to actually do that. So whether you're nine years old and then getting treated at 30, or if you're nine years old and getting treated at nine, yes, progressions might be a little bit different, might be faster when it's early on uh, in that injury, but it doesn't mean that you can't still achieve really uh, like bigger goals later on in life after you've done uh, physical therapy. So at nine years old, Luke had his accident. We came to see you. I guess he would probably have been maybe 11, mm-hmm. 12, 11. and Luke had an anoxic brain injury. What are some of the things that you remember doing for Luke that you think he needed? And those listening whose child has an anoxic injury, I know everyone's different. All the injuries are different. But can you take us back to what you had done, what you needed, you think you needed to see from Luke? Yeah, so initially what I what I saw with him was um, the – it, it was more of the interaction of of wanting to be engaged into something. So I always look at what's going to engage the the child into wanting to do movement or to be able to tolerate positions. And so the, for me, that's the first thing. Okay, what's what's a better way to you know? And, and you remember, we were in a gym. It's very stimulating. There's things hanging. Uh, there's bags. There's mats. Uh, the, the, even the mats were bright red. So there's a lot of stimulation going on to draw some curiosity to what. The, the environment is like and creating that situation allows for the person to start getting engaged with movement so that was the first thing I, I remember uh when he came in was I could tell that he was just you know a little bit more tired but the minute he would hear noises and, and look around he was very attentive like what is this and so that what factor is like okay now I got him in now I got him engaged let's see what else needs to be done now because every brain injury is different you're either dealing with more flaccid uh, muscles or you're dealing with more spastic and uh, contracture. There's a lot of different things that you have to consider. So when I was looking at him, I saw, okay, now he's engaged. I see that posturally there's certain things that could be uh, improved by positioning. And so I started off with what's a what's a position that he's going to find the most engagement but also get the therapeutic benefit. And that's where we started to get on the ground and see how is he tolerating being in on his back, on his stomach, on his side? Is he okay with the texture of the mat? And so it's not just how he moves, it's his responses to the stimulus that's around him. And um, seeing that, I was able to find out like that you know he would at times get into more extensor tone. So I wanted to break the tone. So I wanted to get him on his knees, get more information to his hips. Anytime that the body is upright, the brain processes more information. So my goal is get them upright, whether I have to help them, whether even if you're in a frame type of thing. But in that moment with him, I wanted to make sure I wanted him to see the world around him as a way for his body to respond as a way to engage. Because naturally, certain positions will require you to fire muscles, whether you like it or not. And that was my initial intention with him. You mentioned getting upright. When a mom or dad or both have to work and they may rely on a nurse taking care of their child, but if that child is laying flat in a bed or in his or her chair, um, wheelchair, we're not getting upright. And I always knew, you know, f- from with Luke getting on the stander, um, I would, as much as I saw from what you had done and others, I knew what I would try to do to help Luke as well mm. to keep those muscles moving and being upright. How often would you suggest a patient needs to be in physical therapy? Well, I say... 
I mean, physical therapy is every day, right? Whether you're worth a PT or not. And so when you think about what we do from day-to-day basis, we're always upright. We're sitting, we're standing. So therapy is every day. Whether you call it physical therapy or not, it's just how we how we do our life, right? So part of what I like to do, especially is teaching and educating, is that it's not often educated to, to families and parents that it's okay to be upright all the time. And when we think about it, it's actually really important for our vitals, for regulating um, blood pressure, our heart rate, um, even gastrointestinal things, you know, especially with post-brain injuries. There's a lot of issues in the gut and constipation and um, suppositories that are needed. Like, what better way to get them upright in order to help that part? Because the body does also respond when those vital areas are not intact. It causes a stress response. So that could actually be a big part of even spasticity. Um, that could be happening. So, yes, I mean, therapy is every day. It's just a matter of us as clinicians providing the right education to families so they feel comfortable doing the therapy on a day-to-day basis. Well, that's a great point when you talk about, you know, just from constipation and mm-hmm. lack of bowel movements if you're not moving. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we realize that pretty quickly. What can parents do if, A, they don't have the resources mm-hmm. for PT or if in their small town there isn't someone that can help them? Is there anything they can do at home? There's tons that they can do at home. I think the first thing is even even most small towns have some sort of, of therapy company, whether it's home health. And one, just having a conversation with the therapist, like, hey, I know – you know, if I'm not going to be able to receive services, I would love just a one-time session just to learn more about what I can do that is also safe but also effective. So a, a lot of parents will feel more fearful because they're scared of hurting the child. If Oh, if I position them there, what if I do this? It's like, no, there, there are certain positions that you can use, and there's also tools. You don't need to buy all this fancy equipment. As long as you have pillows and towels, you can position and prop the, the patient. You can find ways to um, stretch them and even – like a natural position that you would want to put the child on your lap, that's a sitting like neuromuscular activation activity. You're still trying to get head control, back control. Like there's a lot of things that go with it. And so um, I think that's the first part is just seeking out at least a resource to start getting educated on what can be done at home. And, you know, there's nowadays with Zoom and everything can be done virtually. The the therapist at this point in, in age is, doesn't necessarily need to be there. Well, speaking yeah. of that, how can – someone learn some of the things that you do, whether it's through Zoom or how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so the first part, I mean, they can visit the website, which is um, www.parpt.com. And And that's P-A-R-R? P-A-R-R-P-T. And um, I I do specialize in most of my practice when it comes to brain injury. If it's not on site, it is virtual. And I I, I see a lot of uh, people all across the U.S. and even all across the world for things like this. And but I dedicate that to train parents and the skill set behind that is it's it's not as common as what you would think uh, as providers because we're not used to learning how to put things into layman terms and understanding what positions are actually safe for parents. And that, that is something that I specialize in. So something like that would be very beneficial. And I'd be more than happy to help anyone that uh, is unsure of the things, basically the do's and don'ts of, of what they can do at home. Well, that's the beauty of what you do now. You can do it on Zoom. And, you know, as a, as a former tennis coach, um, there are a lot of people that can call themselves coaches. <laughs> and maybe they don't have the experience or the knowledge. Same with you. Have you seen physical therapists that in some ways, you know, you have to have the right one because 
can a PT actually not necessarily harm, but not mm-hmm. but not benefit a child? Yeah, of course. I, I would think that it's just like uh, I used this example yesterday was if you um, have a knee injury, but you go to a neurologist. It's like it's still medical, but it's not really specialized in that. And so we also have to think about with pediatrics. Um, TBIs are not the only thing that happen or that kids need. It could be congenital issues and uh, g- genetic. It could be just standard developmental. So each of these therapists have different skills in different areas. So what you want to do is find someone who has a lot of experience specifically with traumatic brain injuries, anoxic brain injuries, those kind of things. And I think it's okay to hold like your own interview and ask them like, Hey, how, how would this benefit? What are your skill set? Do you feel comfortable? Because as therapists, we have to be clear enough, like, you know, that's not my skill set. I can help in the interim until you find someone. So there's different ways to do that. But I think it's really, really important that people seek out and ask those questions related to like, do you specialize in this condition? Because I'm looking for someone to really help. Parents whose child had a brain injury are always wanting to see improvement Mm -hmm. tomorrow, the next Mm -hmm. day. Um, You know, we're told it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. I always saw it as a new sprint every day, Mm -hmm. something different. Um, but we want to see results. Mm -hmm. And I assume that you have seen some tremendous, almost we call the miracles, Mm -hmm. that you are uh, very much a part of. Can you share with some of those? Yeah. um, I mean, 14 years, I've had some really good cases and been a part of some really good journeys of, you know, the doctor saying that, you know, you'll never be able to do this. But in fact, you know, years later it happened. Um, I think the thing to remember when it comes to the sprints and marathon is that, the brain is all like it's still healing, but it's still taking information. So whether it's been one year, two years, uh, you know, a lot of times it's easy. You know, I, I'm not a parent, so I can't r- really relate. But in as a PT, I feel like I'm the parent of like my the the child that I'm treating is. It can take a while, and it's frustrating. Like, okay, why am I not seeing the results? But it's the consistency that builds over time because it's these small little milestones that, as clinicians, we can see that parents may not be able to see. And at sometimes, I mean, I'll, my example is I there was a um, a patient that I was working with in Houston. It was multiple uh, clinicians working with this person, and um, the patient came in and wasn't really responsive, barely even eye movements. It was a lot of that, like it was almost a vegetative state. Um, and the 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 parent was so, you know, she was so focused on getting PT all the time. But at that point, we're like, okay, I don't know if we're helping. They continued, they continued and persevered. And I think it was two and a half years of three times a week coming into therapy. It just switched. And all of a sudden he started to get, um, he started to um, do more tracking, more voluntary movements. And now to this day, he can control his own power wheelchair and talk to anyone that he sees. So that is one thing. And I know it's hard to see that, especially when you're still, I mean, you're grieving and also trying to motivate at the same time. But no, consistency and and faith is also a big part of being able to see what could still possibly be attainable. I always want to see Luke move his limbs. I always want to hear Luke talk. And and those were um, dreams of mine. And he did make sounds. He did move his um, extremities. But instead of wanting the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. it was okay to win a game. And as parents, um, those little things are not little. And I'm sure you see those each and every day, one small milestone. And it's important for parents. I think the, the toughest word for us is patience mm-hmm. um, and, and the unknown. 
because if you're working with someone who had a knee injury, you know in six weeks, eight weeks, that child or that adult is going to improve based mm-hmm. on the surgery or whatever the, the therapy is. With a brain, there's so much unknown. Um, what message can you give to parents when it comes to being patient or just understanding what I just mentioned? Man, um, it's a bit harder because, again, there there is that, that love for that child that is much deeper than what anyone could ever actually put into words specific to that parent. But I think that when you're able – you know, the idea is like you always want to provide for your child, like regardless if they're injured or not injured. And, and knowing that you're taking the steps, one, I also being self-compassionate uh, as a parent, like you're doing what you can. So not always overloading what you can do. Like some of it is out of your hands, but what you can do is find ways to keep consistency with things that you know will continue to do those small gains. Um, and then just, you know, in, in my position is kind of just let God do its work. And, and I think when you can think about it, whether whatever religion it is, is whatever spirituality that you have, but I think when you're taking the right steps, everything will, will be positioned the way they need to be. Jonathan Parr, you have meant a lot to, to me personally and, and what you did with Luke, um, both in person and, and on zoom. And, it made an impact on me. And when I watch therapists, um, I have such admiration for them and what they do. And I also know that building a relationship is as vital as what mm-hmm. you're actually teaching them. And you you knew that. And um, whether it was talking about football, baseball, whatever, because you knew that was what mm-hmm. Luke um, loved and what he was inspired by. Um, give us the website one more time. And um, I would encourage everyone that's listening, if your child needs PT, um, this is where you need to go. Um, it's www.p as in Paul, A-R-R, P as in Paul, T as in Thomas, dot com. So parpt.com. Jonathan, thank you so much for thank what you, you so do. Thank you so much. I, I always really appreciate it. Really appreciate yeah. you and, and all the best to you. Thank you. Thank again. you.